0: Hi, this is Nick Forster. This week, we're going to revisit a show from our 2013 season. It's featuring a couple of great songwriters. It's a funny show, and it starts right now.
1: Live from E-Town Hall in the foothills of the Rocky Mountains, it's E-Town, with this week's guests. From Austin, Texas, alligator recording artist Marcia Ball, and from Tupelo, Mississippi, Paul Thorne. I'm Helen Forrester. Right now, please join me in welcoming Nick Forrester.
0: Thank you, Helen. Thanks, everybody. Welcome to E Town. We get together every week, listen to some live music, talk about the world around us. We are once again coming from uh, E Town Hall here in the heart of downtown Boulder, our new solar powered music mecca. We're very proud of it. Glad you guys could join us. We are heading south once again this week. Seems like so much of the music that we love and that we call American music comes from this pretty uh, small region within a couple hundred miles of the Mississippi River. It's such a great melting pot for all this music, you know, the singing that was in the churches. The singing in the juke joints, the singing in the fields, the dance music, all that stuff. Plus, the, in Louisiana, you had the French music that came in and influenced so much, and all the music that was going on in New Orleans and still is going on in New Orleans. And so that stuff, that musical stew, is, is the stuff that our first and uh, both our musical guests this week actually dipped into as they were growing up. Up first, her tallness, as they call her in Austin was born in Orange, Texas, raised in Vinton, Louisiana, grew up in a musical family filled with strong uh, women. She headed west at 21. The car broke down in Austin. That's as far as she got. (laughs) Things worked out. Actually, they worked out really, really well. She's a five-time Grammy nominee, winner of lots of awards in the blues music world, 40-plus years on the road. She just made her 16th and perhaps her most personal record of her career. And we're always happy to have her with us. Please welcome back to E-Town, Marsha Ball.
2: Right. Well, thank you all. It's great to be here.
3: If it works at all. Hold in your heart the people you love. Always thank the powers above. Everyone deserves a share. So keep your promise best. Fair, fair.
0: Well, welcome back. Thank you. It's a fun bunch of songs and a larger portion of songs on this record that you wrote than any others, as far as I could tell.
2: Yes. All of the songs on the Roadside Attractions record I wrote or co-wrote with some very notable companions.
0: Yeah, that's pretty cool. So uh, in 1970, when you were heading west, and your car broke down in Austin. How long did it take you to know that Austin was going to be your new hometown?
2: Three
3: days.
0: Three days. <laughs> <Yeah>.
2: <laughs> we probably had a job before the week was out. Playing music. Uh, no, no, I actually just... working at the University of Texas. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. No, you had, we had the day job, and then we brought the remainder of the band from Baton Rouge that I'd been playing in over, and we started a living room band, and yeah. and I met some Austin musicians, some great players, and. Got invited to join a band in Austin that kind of took me forward to where I am.
0: What an amazing time to be in Austin, especially in those early 70s. And it's interesting to me that you're straddling, you know, literally straddling that border, you know. Born in Texas, grew up in Louisiana, but back and forth you have such strong ties to both places. Right. You're still very connected to New Orleans and um, I noticed that there are a few different ways you're trying to help out musicians there.
2: Yes. Well, we do several things. I'm very involved with the um, Musicians Clinic of New Orleans, as much as I can be in a group called Sweet Home New Orleans, who um, works on housing to, to house musicians. So house we've got musicians. health and home. Pretty cool. Um, all the needs. Musicians, you know, don't have 401ks. Yes, yeah,
0: exactly. <laughs> but I know that's not why you're still playing after 40 years. You just, you, you love it, right?
2: I love it. Yeah. <laughs> I love my job. <laughs>
0: Thanks. And, and back in Texas, tell us about the thing called Seeing Red. What's that about?
2: Oh, gosh, now you. Um, well, we in Texas have a fairly conservative state government. Oh, you mean the oh, one that wants to
0: secede from the Union and, that kind yeah of stuff. the ones
2: yeah. who want to and yeah. the the um, the attorney general who invited anybody with a gun who wanted to pay less taxes to move to Texas <laughs> took ads out on on the web to that effect um, personally what happened was that the, um, the uh, state government decided to unfund a very important health care service for women First, they cut the budget in the spring of last year and left about 300,000 women out in the cold. And then they cut again another 150,000 women. So basically, we wore red and we went to the state capitol and we did a series of just vigils, just stand out there, inspired a lot by the women against the war, the women in black who stand out there. We were a little louder than that.
0: (laughs) And, uh, And anyone paying attention? Did you, make a, you made a ruckus, and some people noticed? They're
2: still doing what they want to do. Yeah. Did, but um, the governor did tell a friend of mine that they're killing us. Y'all are killing us with that. <laughs> yes. <laughs>
0: <laughs> it's a tricky thing, isn't it, to be uh, an entertainer and to be outspoken and get involved with issues because you run the risk of... Alienating some of your fans, I guess. Have you gotten feedback about saying, well we're surprised that you're doing that or Oh or, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I yeah.
2: got to shut up and sing. But as Carolyn Wonderland pointed out, it's physically impossible to actually shut up and sing at the same <laughs> time. So,
3: <laughs>
2: <laughs> so you know, we're both still at it. And in yeah. fact, she's recording a song that she wrote for those uh, particular events. That's pretty cool. Yeah.
0: I know one of the songs on your new CD is a little bit of a nostalgic story about the way your grandfather's life was in the Atchafalaya Basin and the swamp there and yeah. how it was so beautiful and it's not like that anymore.
2: Inspired by the BP oil spill.
0: Yeah. Yeah, the oil companies But are- you
2: know what I have to say about this? Um, there's a line in there that says, um, the oil man came and he gave us jobs and everything changed. And when you talk to the people down in Louisiana, you know, they're torn between knowing that Their living depends on the oil industry, and their life depends on the oil industry being responsible, and careful, and conservative about how they deal with the environment. So that's
0: right. Well, Marcia, thanks for stopping by again. And and, um, you know, we've got—I'm trying to sort of paint a little bit of a picture of the wide variety of songs on this CD, but um, we're just going to dive into them and hear some of them. All right. So let's welcome back once again, Marcia Ball.
2: Thank you. All right, we're going to do something inspired by a late night in a nightclub, every nightclub, (laughs) every night. It's called That's Enough of That Stuff.
0: Marsha Ball. CD's called Roadside Attractions out on Alligator Records. She'll be back, play a whole bunch more music later on in the show. Thank you, Marsha Ball. We will be back with the Achievement Award and some music from Paul Thorne after a
1: break. This portion of E Town is made possible by the Bohemian Foundation, building stronger communities through the bohemian qualities of creativity and imagination on the web at bohemianfoundation.org. If you're curious about E Town's home base, E Town Hall, our beautiful solar powered music venue, community center, and recording studio located in downtown Boulder, Colorado, you can learn more about it on our website, etown.org. You're listening to E-Town.
0: Nick Forster, this is ETEL. Marsha Ball's gonna be back later on. So great. Easily at home in a roadhouse or at a festival or playing in other countries. She's just got it going on. We've also got some great music coming up from Paul Thorne, wonderful singer and songwriter from Tupelo, Mississippi. And a visual artist He's going to be up later on But before we get back to music We're going to introduce you To someone we learned about From one of our listeners Every week we get a chance To celebrate someone's story Who's really inspired Those around them enough To have them share Their story with us We get to put their story On the air It's always a story About somebody who looked around And saw an opportunity To make a difference Make a dent Make things a little better Right where they were Often these things grow And, and continue uh, We call it the Achievement Award Here comes Helen To tell you about this week's winner.
1: Thank you, Nick. Listener Andra Parks, who hears e on KBCO, is nominating Carol Hoffgardner of Livonia, Michigan for this week's achievement award. Several years ago, Carol was a successful architectural designer. One day she was asked to participate in a career day event at an elementary school where her friend worked. What Carol learned at the school that day shocked her and led her to completely switch directions in her life. She eventually devoted herself full-time to bringing art to elementary school kids in her area. And in the years since, Carol has improved the lives of an impressive number of children. She's waiting to tell us the details, so right now please join me in welcoming this week's Each Human Award winner from Livonia, Michigan, Carol Hofgartner.
0: How are you, Carol?
4: Great, thank you.
0: So you were an architectural designer, is that right?
4: Uh, Yes, I have a Master of Architecture degree, and I worked as an architectural designer for years.
0: And then uh, Helen described a situation around a career day event at a local elementary school. Uh, Tell us about that. What happened there?
4: Years ago, my friend Lisa invited me to a career day at an elementary school that she taught at in Detroit to her fifth grade class. So I went into the class and showed the students some construction documents, and then I also showed them a piece of art that I had done in fourth grade, and I said, probably just like you're doing in your art class, and this little boy stood up and he said, Miss Carol, we don't have art. So I looked at Lisa, the teacher, and she said, no, they don't have art class, and they haven't had art class for years. At that moment, I decided that I could do something about it.
0: And some people think of art class, I guess, as being a luxury for little kids, but it's way more important than that, isn't it?
4: Art is all around us, in architecture, interiors, and products, and packaging, and fine arts. So many potential career paths are possible, Nick, for children that have art in their lives. Yeah.
0: It's also just good for kids, right? It's something that's good for their brains. It's good for their, their creative spirit. It's important that these kids get a chance to make art, right? Yes. Yeah. So what did you do? You saw this need... You figured you could make a difference. How do you even begin implementing some kind of change like that? What did you do?
4: Uh, so, Nick, what I did is I started out volunteering at my friend Lisa's fifth grade class. Every two weeks, I would go in and teach art, and I did that for seven years. And then one day, this little girl knocked on the door as I was teaching art, and she said, well, Miss Carroll, I'm special too. Why don't I have art? And that's how then I went on to form Art Road Nonprofit. Yeah. And what we do is raise funds, hire artists to actually go into the school and teach children art. So our students have art every other week for 45 minutes, and it's built right into the curriculum, right in their uh, school day.
0: Yeah, that's great. And what town are, are these schools in, Carol?
4: Uh, Detroit, Michigan. In
0: Detroit, yeah. And what kind of kids are you serving primarily? Are these uh, low-income so kids or schools that are, you know, surrounded mostly in, in poverty or middle-class middle kids? or What kind of students are these?
4: We serve low-income students.
0: Low-income students. So they wouldn't have access to this any other way. Correct. Yeah. Um, so what are the kids learning?
4: Uh, art history, watercolor, clay, just raw paper art, uh, three-dimensional art. And we've actually made five-foot paper mache sculptures with our students.
0: That sounds like fun.
4: Oh, absolutely.
0: So you must be really uh, a beloved sight when you walk into one of these schools, right?
4: Oh, it's a very rewarding feeling. And even for our volunteers, so often our volunteers come in and they're amazed because the children, they hug you and one volunteer said, boy, that little boy just asked me to go home with them. So there's <laughs> just such a rich, deep connection yeah. with the artist, the volunteers and the students.
0: And when did you start all this, Carol? When did this begin, this program?
4: Uh, art Road formed in 2004.
0: And uh, any idea how many kids have been through the classes that you've created since you started?
4: Uh, Nick, we've served over 6,000 students with 6, art 6,000
0: students. That's really great. Yes. Is there a website if people want to see pictures or learn more?
4: Uh, we do have a website at www.artroadnonprofit.org. org.
0: Well, what a beautiful thing you started, Carol, and congratulations on your success. We're so glad you shared your story with us. We're going to send you a framed Achievement Award certificate in honor of your efforts. And once again, just really appreciate you, um, sh- you know, being on the phone and telling us how you did all this.
4: Thank you, Nick.
0: Thanks. Congratulations to this week's winner, Carol Hogartner. The organization she founded is called Art Road in Detroit, Michigan.
1: Our thanks to this week's listener nominator, Andra Parks. We'll be sending her and our winner, Carol, gift bags filled with great stuff to enjoy. Compliments of all of us here in E-Town. Now, if you'd like to send us an achievement award nomination, you can do that on our website, where you can learn more about some of our other winners, listen to this week's interview again, and much more. Our website is etown.org. And of course, as always, you can connect with us the old fashioned way as well by writing us at Box 954, Boulder, Colorado 80306. Thank
0: you, Helen. Thanks, Carol. Thanks to Andra for the nomination. Another great story. Love those stories. We've got more music coming up from Marsha Ball in just a little while, but before we do that, I want to tell you about our next guest. Paul Thorne grew up in Tupelo, Mississippi. His dad was a Pentecostal preacher. He graduated from high school, worked at a chair factory, joined the National Guard, embarked on a career as a boxer, and did really, really well. Lost three fights, won 10, uh, with one of those losses coming against world welterweight champion Roberto Duran. He called it quits as a boxer, went into, uh, into, deeper into songwriting, something he'd been doing. And then one night while playing at a pizza parlor, Somebody asked him if he had a demo. He gave him a cassette and that wound up in the hands of this guy, Miles Copeland, who turned out to be the manager for Sting and the police and things like that. And the next thing you know, he was off and running. And he's here for his first visit. He's a great singer and songwriter. Please welcome to E-Town from Tupelo, Mississippi, Mr. Paul Thorne.
5: Thank you very much. Uh, I grew up in the Bible Belt, Mississippi. That's where they believe Jesus Christ is the only God in the whole world. And so I believed that wholeheartedly for a long time. And then when I left home, I went out into the broader world and I saw other folks that believed in something different than Jesus. And they all seemed sincere, just like the Christians did. And so uh, I realized, at least for me, whatever you believe, you might be wrong. So I wrote this song right here. It's it's what I think about the whole thing right now. And this song got me kicked out of Sunday school.
6: Of life, I won't know until the day I die. If you feel insecure, you are not alone. Cause everybody knows you might be wrong. Why do we argue? Why do we fight? Everybody thinks God's on their side. Just count to ten before you throw us down. Whatever you believe.
5: My daddy was a preacher as a child. His brother, my uncle, was a pimp (laughs) who made his living off women. And they was my mentors growing up. (laughs) I learned about the bright side of life. I learned about the dark side of life. I learned that nobody's all good and nobody's all bad. So give everybody a chance. And I wrote this song to say thank you for all the good advice my father and my uncle gave me.
6: Cadillac, my uncle drove a Ford. One was Satan's angel and one worked for the Lord. They had some hard-earned wisdom. They both became my teachers. I was a young disciple of pimps and peaches. Life was open each day I went to class when I didn't pay attention they kicked me in the ass they were turning out young bitches and converting non-believers I was learning from the masters pimps and preachers one drug me through the darkness one led me to the light one showed me how to love One taught me how to fight I guess you could say I am an overachiever And I owe a debt of gratitude To pimps and peaches They kept me under their wings But when I passed the test They gave me a pinstripe suit And pushed me from the nest Now I'm standing on the corner Recruiting hungry seekers I'm starting a new religion I call it pimps and preachers One took me through the darkness One led me to the light One showed me how to love One taught me how to fight I guess you could say I am an overachiever And I owe a debt of gratitude and beaches. You can stand there and do nothing But if you want to go far Don't try to please everybody Be proud of who you are Get out there in the game Don't sit up in the bleachers That is the philosophy pimps and preachers. One took me through the darkness, one led me to the light. One showed me how to love, one taught me how to fight. I guess you could say I am an overachiever and I owe a debt of gratitude to pants and preachers.
0: You couldn't possibly make that stuff up. <laughs> pimps and preachers, what a what a combo! And I'm just trying to imagine how that dynamic would really play out as you were when you were a kid. I mean,
5: well, they have a lot in common, pimps and preachers. They have the same wardrobe. <laughs> and uh, the main in di- some <laughs>
0: churches, maybe, yeah.
5: Well, the main difference I saw was. Uh, the preacher charges 10% of your gross income,
0: and the, the pimp charges 100% of your gross income. <laughs> 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 but literally, you grew up, so you must have grown up in a, because it was your dad who was a preacher, it must have been a pretty strict religious household when you were a kid, right?
5: Yeah, it was. It was a really a fundamentalist type religion. You know, we weren't, uh, as a child, we weren't allowed to go to movies, and we couldn't go to the skating rink and we couldn't go swimming where women and men were swimming together because that will put lust in your heart. Mm -hmm. Even when you're five or whatever. Yeah, (laughs) (laughs) yeah, uh, (laughs) Yeah, it starts planting a
0: bad seed early on. So when when you went to school, did that mean that, you know, you could, were there any other kids in your class who had that same kind of background or were you just the one kid who could never do anything fun?
5: Well, we did things fun, but uh, we just wasn't out a label. I mean, everybody knows when you go to the skating rink, that's where all the demon worshippers hang out at,
0: right. you know. <laughs> so we'd stay away from those kind of places. And, and, you know? and so so how did your dad feel about young Paul, you, hanging around with your uncle?
5: Yeah, it was a little bit of a head-button contest, you know. But now, thankfully, my father and my uncle, they're older, and they've mellowed, and they, we all get along real good. And you know, we still don't see eye to eye on hardly anything, but isn't that how families are?
0: Is your uncle settled into a more uh, dignified kind of work? You know, kind? really, yeah.
5: you know, he look, when he looks back on his pimping days, he's not proud of it. But, no, no, really, because it, uh, being a pimp's a terrible thing. You know, you're exploiting young girls and, who have no other way to go. He, and he knows that was wrong. And now he's uh, almost 70 years old, and he's actually he's a maintenance man in an old folks' home. And he likes it, and he's really what he's really good at is he likes to go around every day and talk to a lot of these old people that their family don't visit them, and they're just completely alone, and they're yeah. just sad and waiting to die. And there's this one old man that he's uh, he ain't got no hair on top of his head, but he's got a long hair on the sides, and he likes to dye it black. <laughs> and uh, and uh, my uncle brings him his, buys his hair dye for him, and uh, he also <laughs> he, uh, helps the old man clean his teeth. He's got they get a toothbrush and he my uncle's got better eyesight and he can spot clean that man's teeth for him real good. After he takes his teeth out, just so we know. Well, yeah, yeah, he takes them out and hands them to my uncle. (laughs) Yeah.
0: (laughs) So that's a whole nother kind of service. Yeah. Yeah.
5: But anyway, he he really gets a lot of I know it sounds funny, it is funny, but he gets a lot of joy out of giving back and you know, and he No, it's beautiful.
0: It's it's a wonderful thing, it really is. And it was your uncle who got you interested in boxing or helped you learn how to box, right?
5: Yeah, he helped me learn how to box, and uh, I wasn't the best in the world, but I got good enough that I was uh, a number uh, nine-ranked middleweight in the United States, and I did fight in 1988 against uh, Roberto Duran on national TV, and that was cool. You know, the fight was scheduled for 10 rounds, but after the sixth round, I sat on my stool and I had really bad cuts over my eyes. Blood was flowing into my vision, so the doctor stopped the fight, but... You know, I got some punches in. I, yeah. cut, I cut him over his eye, too, and yeah. I'm real happy about that. <laughs> and we both uh, I'm probably the only person in radio land today that can honestly say that they got to ride in the back of an ambulance with Roberto Duran.
0: <laughs> like I said, you can't make this stuff up. Mm-hmm. Now, um... So I looked at your record, and I looked at you, you had 10 wins and three losses. Actually, that's and that was not a TK, accurate. That was a TKO, by the way, right? Yeah, with that's actually
5: not accurate, it was 14 and four. 14 well, and four. The, yeah, a lot of the fights, don't get, they don't get registered. Don't, right.
0: Yeah, it was 14 and four. I had, 14 and four is even better.
5: Yeah, it's better, yeah. You know, you, you know you, 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 it's a hard game, boxing, you know? And I'm just don't trying don't,
0: to imagine, what is it like to step into a ring with somebody who's trained to hurt you, and is really gonna try their best to knock you out? You want me to show you? No. <laughs> I could go, I could go maybe a half around, probably. I
5: can't can't whoop Duran, but I think I could take you.
0: (laughs) Well, let me quick, I'm gonna quick delete all these questions I was gonna ask you. (laughs) (laughs) And then, uh, and then tell me about the night at the pizza parlor in Tupelo, after you kind of gave up on boxing, you're back home, playing music more, getting into writing songs. You're playing at a pizza parlor, and this guy comes up and likes your songs, right?
5: Yeah, he liked my songs, and uh, he took my tape, and uh, I didn't think nothing of it, and then I received a call, and and Miles Copeland, who managed staying in the police, uh, flew down to Tupelo. And I I was working in a factory today, and I was playing in his pizza restaurant at night, and and so he comes in and hears me playing, and to make a long story short, uh, I got offered a record deal on A&M Records. And I was, just like overnight, I was literally snatched out of the factory and they flew me out to Hollywood and I cut a record. And, uh, you know, being a preacher's kid, I was never allowed to go to secular concerts as a child, so the first time I ever attended a concert in my entire life, I was opening for Sting. That's right. First time you ever went to a concert, you opened for Sting. That's right. That is so wild. And then, well, and then the show I did with Sting went so well. I did a bunch of shows with Sting, and then the, the word got around in the biz that there was this guy with just a guitar who could entertain a crowd. And so after that, I got...
0: A crowd, like the first gig you played, how many people were there?
5: It was about 13,000. But, <laughs> but at t- you know, being singing in church all my life, it just looked like a larger congregation, you know? And, um, but after that, it just kind of snowballed. And after that, I got a tour with uh, the Jeff Beck. And then I got a tour with Mark Knopfler, and then I got a tour with just this and that one. And just by opening for these bigger artists, it actually helped me build a following, because as I would go back into those big cities where they'd seen me open for Sting, the next time I'd come back six months later, then a lot of those people would come back to see me do my thing. And that's kind of how it started, and it's just sort of perpetuated. And, and now, you know, I'm not, obviously I'm not as big as Sting, but now I headline most shows everywhere I go, and and it's grown every year, and so it's, yeah. it's been good.
0: That's great, and you're a visual artist too. I noticed the album art on uh, the CD that's called What the Hell is Going On?
5: Yeah, I drew a, I drew a picture on it. Uh, it's, it's completely tongue in cheek, the picture I drew, but on the picture of uh, the album of What the Hell is Going On, uh, it shows a picture of me and Jesus sitting in a kiddie pool up in heaven. <laughs> One of like knee deep and in the pool. We're sitting in the pool, and we're surrounded by beautiful girls, and they're bringing us sandwiches and Kool-Aid. And there's a blonde-headed girl in the picture, and that's my wife. And up in heaven, she actually encourages me to be with other women. Because, you know, down through the years, down through the years, artists draw their depiction of heaven, and that's mine. Yeah. Because, uh, you know, let's say... (laughs) They say when we get to heaven, we're gonna worship him for eternity. That sounds like more fun for him than me. Yeah, I wanna have a good time. Right. After I've, after I've restrained myself all these years. And, I, and I noticed that, uh,
0: I noticed that the devil has got uh, yeah. marshmallows. Yeah. and down below, it down well, down on yeah. the fire. I mean, yeah. How,
5: Why and, not? Right? It's fire. Well, yeah. Well, yeah. In the picture, when me and Jesus are up there having fun, we down below it shows all these people burning in hell, and those are all the people that while they was on earth. Uh, they ever I disagree with anything I ever said, or, <laughs> or didn't buy any of my CDs.
0: Is Roberto Duran in the picture?
5: <laughs> no, I don't. No, I am a huge Roberto Duran f- fan, and you know I just got beat by a better man. You know, I, I still got a picture of
0: him on my wall at my house. Oh, that's cool. Well, Paul, it's so cool to get to hear your story and get to know you a little bit, and uh, we're gonna get back to music. Glad you could stop by. And, Man, this is great. Uh,
5: yeah. This is a great show. Well, thank you. It really is.
0: Well, welcome back uh, to E-Town. Let's get back to music with Paul Thorne. Thank you.
6: Hey, all right. Thank you. Before I, this,
5: uh, before I do this last song, I wanna bring Nick, Helen, and the E-Tones out. They're a wonderful band. Give them a hand. You know, uh, when I was a kid for a while, my father was a traveling evangelist. He would take me with him all over the state of Mississippi doing revivals in various churches. And every night before he would give the sermon, he would pick my tiny body up, stand me on top of the altar and put a tambourine in my hand. He'd say, Paul, sing a song to warm the congregation up. I'd sing songs like, I'll fly away and i saw the light. Most of the revivals we did was held in regular churches with solid walled structures like this place. But every once in a while, we did something called a tent revival. Have y'all ever heard of a tent revival? Yeah, that was my favorite type revival as a child. It seemed like a church circus. (laughs) And uh, so, now that I'm a grown man, every time I'm driving down the highway and I see a tent on the side of the road, I ask myself, I say, Paul, is this a tent revival or a fireworks stand? (laughs) Because, Because they use the same kind of tent for both activities. So I made up a song about a black preacher who quits his church and he starts selling firecrackers on the side of the road. He got tired of all the religious politics, so he just opened up a fireworks stand. He still tells the people about Jesus, but he don't beat them up. Let's do this.
0: That's Paul Thorne in Tupelo, Mississippi. Along with E-tones, Chris Engelman, Ron Jolly, Christian Teal, and Helen Forster. As CDs go, what the hell is going on? Paul Thorne going be back at the very end. We will be back with more music from Marsha Ball after a short break.
1: Your visit to E-Town is made possible in part by the Scientific and Cultural Facilities District, or SCFD, one of the largest cultural funding mechanisms in the United States, supporting nearly 300 organizations in the greater Denver area. As a reminder for your viewing pleasure, there are over 2,000 videos on the E-Town YouTube channel, where you can also subscribe in order to stay up to date with our latest offerings. You're listening to E-Town.
0: I'm Nick Forster. I'd like to say hello to our listeners who hear E-Town on stations like WTEB in New Bern, North Carolina, on KBUT in Crested Butte, Colorado, and on KSMF in Claremore, Oklahoma. As always, if you want some more information about anything we're up to here at E-Town, lots of stuff can be found online at etown.org. kind of cool when we have this um I think it's maybe Paul's gospel background and this kind of southern uh musical stuff coursing through Marsha and Paul's world that's infusing this old church with some kind of nice nice feeling here anyway glad you're part of it uh please help me welcome back Marsha Ball
2: thank y'all Well, I'm going to do one more, and um, it's a, it's an anthem of sorts. Um, it was written by um, Gary Nicholson, my producer on the Roadside Attractions record, and a great drummer, producer, songwriter named Tom Hambridge. And um, t- Tom came up with the idea, and he wanted this song to reflect um, how people after adversity uh, in the aftermath will get up and dust themselves off, dry themselves off and put a pot of food on the stove and put music on and share what they've got and help one another out and, um, and make the party still going on. So he wanted this to have this very large meaning and, uh, and have a little Richard beat. I can do that. All right.
0: Marsha Ball. The party is still going on, I can tell you that much. Marsha Ball along with E-Tones, Helen. CDs has got Roadside Attractions out on Alligator Records, nominated for a Grammy. We've got time for one more song. I want to thank uh, thank everybody for being a part of the show. I want to make a special thanks to Paul Thorne for coming out from Tupelo, Mississippi. Great storyteller, songwriter. I want to thank our award winner, Carol Hofgartner, reinstating art education in elementary schools in Detroit where they need them. Thanks to Helen and the E-Tones. Thanks to Marcia Ball. Thanks to all of you for joining us. We were all, you know, we always try to find an appropriate song for us to go out on. And this is one that started thinking about Tupelo, Mississippi, Paul's hometown. And that led us directly to this song. I'm Nick Forster. Hope you can be with us next week right here in E-Town.
1: Produced by a donor-supported nonprofit organization with help from all of our fine staff show was recorded live this week at E-Town Hall to comment about E-Town make an achievement award nomination or get tickets to a live taping send an email to info at etown.org visit our website etown.org or connect with us on Twitter or on Facebook The national distribution of E-Town is made possible by the support of E-Town's family of sponsors, this station, and listeners like you.
2: Well, I ought to mind my papa. I guess I'm not too smart. If I was, I'd leave you before
3: you broke my heart. That's alright. That's alright.
0: Ball, Mr. Paul Thorne, E-Tones, and Helen. Thanks to all of you for coming. We'll see you next time.
1: This is a production of e
0: Thank you, Marsha Ball and Paul Thorne. Thanks also to Carol Hofgartner, our award winner. I'm Nick Forster. Thank you for listening.